Hey everyone, welcome once again to Podcast in Death, the weekly podcast where we discuss the in-depth series of books by J.D. Robb. I am AJ. I'm Jen. I'm Tara. And this is episode number 152 of Podcast in Death. And in this episode, we're going to talk about Kindred in Death. Wow. And this is a this is a hard one. This is one of those that's that, a hard one. Yeah, it's it's harsh. Yes, yeah. Can I say one thing before we start? I probably should have said it in the yeah. briefing room, but I'm yeah. gonna say it now. So you know how much I like the uh, Faded Mates podcast. Yes. And um, Nora was a guest on the Faded Mates podcast not too long ago. Right. Um, and I kind of it was very obvious to me it has been for a while that neither one of those hosts have read the in death series one of them read part of naked or read naked but years ago and doesn't remember anything about it okay when they talked to nora it seemed obvious to me as an in-death fan that um they were just she would mention in death and it was clear that i think it was clear to me that she wanted to talk about in death with them okay yeah, that makes sense. But they don't know anything about it, so I, I, it sat, it seemed like they would always kind of like, oh yeah, okay. But so anyway, this, this, yeah, yeah, deflect, kind of like, no. oh well. It, so yeah. let's talk about this book that you read or this thing that you know. Let's sure. talk about. And um, so they had announced that this their next this episode that released, like I think it was uh, last week, but it's their latest episode. They were going to talk about book series. The in death was one of the ones that they listed. They talked about in death for like thirty seconds. What it was was they were talking about how Nora has written the in death series. Like you know, Nora is one of those authors that had that has managed to do it and keep it going. And uh, then one of them said something like, "But I think that it started out as just being a trilogy, and they weren't sure when they first." she first wrote it that they were going to go on with it, but it became so popular. But then she said, then, but I, I don't know if that's exactly, you know, how it went anyway. So this other series, <laughs> it was like, okay. So frustrating. That's so frustrating. Yeah. So frustrating because, you know, I mean, it's, it's so, I mean, cause they talked about series, what they were, what, what the series does, you know, and, for romance and all of this. And it's, you know, this series is so unique in that it's the only series that I know of long running series. And maybe there's more, but that, that, you know, follows one couple throughout their marriage. Right. Yeah. And, um, it's the only one I know of too. And it's just, uh, you know, uh, talk about it. <laughs> read it fucking read it right just read it you You know you you had all these hints to do it like literally Nora roberts herself was like yeah this other series yeah i do this series and it's really popular and it's really popular and fun and let's do it yeah i mean i understand i mean they're reading a ton of things so i get it but um and it's not for everybody this series is not for everybody no. But they talked a, about a ton of paranormal series, and it's like paranormal's not for everybody either. No. So, you know, I mean, uh, you know, 
I don't know. It was just really frustrating. I had to get that off my chest. Anyway, um, so. that's completely fair <laughs> to be frustrated about. So, yeah, because I was like, I wanted to hear the part where they talked about it, and I was like flipping through. You know how you do like you know thirty seconds, thirty seconds. Oh yeah, like, where is it? Where is it? And I never heard it, and I was like, "Well, that's weird." I they didn't. I'd never heard their discussion about in depth, and I went through, and it's it was because it was only thirty seconds long, like you know. And oh, so it didn't actually do that. It, <laughs> that's why I missed it. <laughs> so anyway, no, that's frustrating. So anybody wants death. to talk about uh, the in death series, can listen to this podcast. Um. <laughs> I seriously want to contact them and go like, look, you seriously, you need to talk about it. <laughs> like, you know, but <sighs> anyway, so kindred and death. So kindred. And, you know, um, obviously kindred means family essentially. So clearly this whole book is about family. It's the, you know, cause I always, you know the the theme of the book they they say something about it in the first like chapter the first page is even rock kind of like you know they've got a day off because it's uh what is it peace day peace day yeah peace day after um the um urban wars stopped and right. they declared that day peace day or whatever i don't know oh i, I could go for another government holiday right it's good on that. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not against it. Um, <laughs> so they're, they have the day off. So they're just kind of laying around and, you know, doing the thing and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, mm-hmm. Eve thinks in her head, our happy little family on a do nothing Sunday morning. And wasn't that an amazing thing? She had a happy little family, a home, an absurdly gorgeous and fascinating man who loved her. And it couldn't be overstated. Really good sex. Really good sex. Um, but also, you know, the first victim, Dina McMasters, was home alone because she opted out of a family trip. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when Eve interviews her father, Jonah McMasters, the first thing she wants to know is if, if there's been any threats to him or his family. And then later, Eve says to Rourke, you come after a cop or a cop's family, we come after you. Come after a cop or a cop's family. It puts us all in the crosshairs. Yep. Later on, they're going to, after examining the crime scene for Carlene Robbins, Eve and Peabody are going to notify her fiance and her parents of her death. And Peabody says the mother works as a family counselor now. And Eve nodded, took a last look before calling the elevator. It's all about family, isn't it? And then they had a little discussion about Nixie. Oh, when they're in the morgue, they went to the morgue, she and Rourke. Yeah. And they're walking down the hallway. She took Nixie there. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I mean, Darren Pauly was doing all of this because of his family. He thought that the police, (laughs) you know, so clearly the whole thing is about families. So, um, let's see, like we've already said, starts off even Rourke you know, having their day off and a nice um, day off. So, you know, shit's going to go down. Right. Yeah, exactly. They can't just have a day off. It's very sad for Eve because, you know, um, well, first of all, they they talk about Charles and Louise's wedding and Eve's all worried about 
whether she can do her matron of honor duties. She's there's, you know, um, and Rourke tells her it's enough for her just to be there for Louise. And, um, then they decide, you know, they should do something that day. And Rourke suggests they go to the beach and, um, that there's a, a villa in the Caymans that he's thinking of buying. And let's just jet down there for the day. Yeah, check out this you know, place. Like you do yeah, when you're fun. a billionaire, mm-hmm. like a billionaire. Exactly. I might buy this. Let's go there right now. Right. So yeah. she's all like, she's like, I can be ready in like five minutes. <laughs> and as soon as she starts, like, you know, starts to pack, then her uh, link signals. And just kidding, you don't actually get a day off, Eve. Yeah, unfortunately. So, and it's not just anyone, it's Commander Whitney. Right. Yeah. And he tells her that the daughter of an illegals captain has been found dead, and Captain Jonah McMasters has requested Eve as primary. Eve agrees to interrupt her holiday to take the case. On her way out, she asks Somerset to talk Rourke into doing something that's not work. Like, you're one to talk, Eve. Right. Right. <laughs> um, when Eve arrives at the McMaster's home, Whitney and his wife, Anna, are there to comfort the McMaster's because they're all good friends. Um, and McMaster's... And this is a book that Anna Whitney is, like, not awful in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I she's actually, not. I really, really love Anna in this book. Yeah, she's, you know... Yeah, after the first, the last couple of um, interactions Eve has had with her, then, you know, where this is kind of a relief. Maybe she realized that she was being a bitch in the, in the last couple of interactions she had with Eve. Maybe. She's like, huh. figured she'd die right back. Yeah, I'm sure she realized it. It's whether or not she, you know, is going to change anything about right, that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, yeah, the McMasters told Eve that they had been away for a couple of days, let their daughter, uh, Dina, stay home alone. Security was activated, but the cameras were off and the discs for the last two days were missing. Um, Eve surveys Dina's room. It's a typical teenage girl's room. There's an autographed poster of Mavis. Um, and um, says Dina is on the bed. Her Feet are bound and hands restrained with police issue cuffs. She appears to have been violently raped. Eve feels sick. She determines time of death and makes a request for Dr. Morris. Then when Peabody arrives, she tells Eve she knew Dina. She'd met her doing public service at Dina's school and also helped her with a report on free agers. Uh, Eve asks if Peabody thinks she can handle it, and Peabody wants to help in taking down the murderer. They don't find any signs of Dina having any specific plans for Saturday night. Uh, Eve asks the McMasters about Dina's friends, and they mention Jamie Lingstrom. Um, And the mother also mentions that she thinks Dina was interested in a boy just by things that she'd said and done over the last few weeks. The father, Captain McMasters, um, goes over his statement. He can't think of any threats from previous cases. Eve tells him she will copy him in all of her reports. 
Uh, outside, Eve gets reports from the officers doing door-to-door interviews. No one saw anything in particular. Then Eve and Peabody go to Jamie's to, you know, ask, tell him what had happened and ask him about uh, Dina, if he knows anything. And um, it says Eve realizes he's no longer a boy, but a man. He's upset, but pulls himself together. Eve notes that he's got the spine to be a cop. He wants to help. She tells him it's up to Feeney. Jamie mentions Rourke is supplementing his scholarship at Columbia because, of course, course he is. is. (laughs) Because he's Rourke. Yes, exactly. Um, Thanks, Rourke. Yeah. Even Peabody go to see Joe Jennings, Dina's best friend. Joe tells them Dina was secretly seeing a boy named David, who she met while jogging. He's a student at Columbia. He's from Georgia and is, according to Dina, shy, clumsy, and sweet. Peabody continues interviewing Dina's friends while Eve heads to the morgue. Eve tags Rourke to let him know she'll be busy. He offers to help. She knows he'll be useful. <laughs> yes, because he is Rourke. <laughs> and that's what he does. He, he is useful. He's there to be useful. At the morgue, not wanting to deal with a machine, Eve has a passing tech get her a couple of Pepsis from the vending. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, just Eve being Eve, pretty much. <laughs> Eve being Eve. Says Morris looks the same, um, but is he? Uh, he thanks Eve for finding justice for his late girlfriend, Amaryllis. Um, they talk about Father Lopez, who he did end up talking to and who gave him a lot of comfort. He also thinks, oh, he also thanks Eve for trusting him to be able to get back to work. And then they talk about Dina's death and Eve can see everything in her head as Morris describes her injuries and she feels sick again. And Morris notices how pale she's gotten and wonders it's, what it's, have you dealt with? What have yeah. you dealt with? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's the first time we've seen Morris or really anybody outside of like Peabody or Feeney yeah. on the force say, you know, mention anything about Eve's. Um, yeah. She, I mean, it's, it's part of Eve just, you know, doing her best to not ever let that show. Right. Um, so, yeah, we get to it also just a little bit more vulnerability from her. Right. Later at the lab, Dickie Berensky is not happy to be at work when he had tickets to a Yankees game. He reports that Dina was drugged with barbs and zoner to give her bad dreams and a migraine. No prints or a DNA were found. Eve returns to Central wishing she could hit something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time she sees Dickie, that's usually how she feels. And also everything else. <laughs> and also everything else is going on but with really this case. really it's everything else, but seeing right. Dickie is probably nothing <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, he he annoys me in this one. Who? Dicky? Like, yeah, like I understand all the time. I know, like so here's the thing. It's like I understand that he this is his way of like trying to hold her accountable for not making everything about her. You know, she is very she is very aggressive. She goes in and she's like my shit is most important. Like that's that's undeniably a fact. Right. And like, and, and as, as the chief lab tech, I'm sure that he, he has that to answer to from everyone else, you know, prioritizing Eve and having to deal with that shit. So I get it. Like, I'm sure that, but he's just so annoying about it every time. Right. Like, yes, yes. You, you usually get bribed to get shit done, but. Um, he's the worst. 
Yeah, like, it's just, like, I understand that you have obligations to the other cops, but, like, you're just slimy about it. Yeah. <laughs> I just think he's just slimy about it. That's all about it. Exactly. Because he's, he's 100% right. Like, she, she should not have the authority she no, does to I, just walk I in there and tell him what's what, but... But he doesn't need to be a pain in the ass. So this anyway. says um, Eve returns to Central wishing she could hit something. Rourke is in her office and comforts her. She tells him he's better than a sparring droid. Okay. She refuses to take a blocker because Eve. Because Eve. Um, <laughs> he says he ordered pizza for the team so that should help her. and uh, Because Rourke. <laughs> because <Or>, Roar. Yep. <laughs> uh, exactly. She's not happy, but um she asked him if he got pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> so because pepperoni fixed everything. You know, you gotta love just like a classic pepperoni pizza. Yeah. Every time they have pizza in the books, I'm like, oh, that sounds nice right now. <laughs> well, um I told you the secret to getting uh half off of your pizza. I know if you <laughs> want to do that, so <laughs> so great so the team of Feeney, Peabody, McNabb, Jamie and Rourke are briefed and given assignments back in our office Eve runs like crimes through IRCCA then sets up her murder board uh, Peabody reports with her partial list from Columbia Eve thinks the murderer the murderer cloned a student's ID so he could use it when he took Dina out ding 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 uh yeah you did even rourke go to the mcmaster's home after walking through the murder scene eve finds a music disc made for dina by the murderer and i'm just letting you know right now that that's one of the things that people complain about um in the reviews of this like why are they using discs that's dumb because it was written in like <laughs> right ten, yeah because where you know she, she was still do- mm. there's still discs back people in. love to just bitch about shit i know um back at home eve is disappointed she has to um work when the house is somerset free because somerset <laughs> has taken the afternoon off work she's like that would be great but <laughs> yeah damn it i have to work damn it um in her home office eve runs names rourke brings her the music disc he copied it contains a message from the murderer for captain mcmasters and it makes it obvious it's revenge and it's really sad because the guy like makes forces the girl to say that it's you know it's it's all her fault yeah it's all his fault and eve decides you know at that point like okay this is good to have but we're never going to show this to her father, which is a good call. I mean, yeah, I, that, that's going to do no one any good. Yeah. No one any good there. No. Um, after updating Whitney and the team, Eve and Rourke have dinner on the terrace where she eats grilled fish instead of pepperoni pizza. Pizza. (laughs) Um, Eve reminisces about her first slice of New York pizza at Palumbies and Rourke is touched. I feel like we're glossing over a lot of things in this uh this um outline the is fir- very like just the facts. 
Yeah. Which I, I mean, I appreciate yeah, I for appreciate this book that. because, <laughs> because it's, it's a hard, it's a really hard book. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of details here. That's like, oof. Um, I mean, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so they talk about the case while they eat. Eve thinks there's a connection to Columbia. Um, and Rourke was, well, I just happen to know the president, you know, <laughs> because of course you do Rourke. And her name is peach Lapkoff. She is incredible. <coughs> She's amazing. I, I like peach a lot. Right. And Eve has to call her like two or three times. And like after the, the third or fourth time he's Eve has to call her. She's like, well, you know, Lieutenant, we're becoming best friends, <laughs> 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 which I appreciated. She, um, she's just fascinating. Like what a fascinating character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eve gets a, she has peach Lapkoff, uh, generate a list of reported stolen IDs. And she's zeroes in on a guy named Darian powders. So the, um, the dean of the school is like, or the president of the school, you're is the one that she, you know, that does it. I'm sure that she actually had like a secretary do it, but maybe she didn't because she's badass. Yeah, because also maybe she didn't want other people to, you know, be involved in that and like you know getting yeah. together the list. So, but <laughs> there's a there's a little uh, when they're eating. Or when they're about to eat, I, I marked this because I, I just thought it was funny. Um, it says, she lifted one of the silver tops and studied the plate below, a chunk of lightly grilled fish topped with a colorful mix of vegetables and a spray of pretty pasta curls. And she says, it looks healthy. And says, he <laughs> laughed, kissed her again. I'll wager it'll go down easy enough. Then you can wipe the healthy out with too much coffee and some of the cookies <laughs> you've stashed in your office. <laughs> and she said, it says she gave him a bland look as she sat down stashed indicates concealed. They're just put away in such a manner that certain people whose names rhyme with a tree body and McBlab can't grab them and scarf them down. <laughs> so i'm sorry but i will say that those two if her candy thief were actually a specific person it's neither of the two of them because those fuckers would not be able to lie to her right neither of them right yeah that's why we all love our conspiracy of everyone <laughs> but i was like that's nice eve but there's no way <laughs> yeah um so at this point they um they go to the campus to see if they can find darian so they go to this campus and they go to the like what do you call that the dorm yeah the dorm to find him and uh they stop this girl and ask him where uh, ask her where darian powders is and she tells them but you know she's looking at rourke and she's like hey my uh <laughs> my room is over there like wow right <laughs> <laughs> I read that and I was like, oh, oh come on. <laughs> yeah, to be that person that's like, hey, you know. Right. Was, and, you know, of course, he politely turns that down. <laughs> because, you know. <laughs> and when they walk off, Eve says to him, she completely I fucked you. 
And he says, I know, I feel so cheap and used. And and you says, shit, you got off on it. Men always do. And he says, true enough, which is why we're so often cheap and used. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. <laughs> so they find Darian powders and, um, you know, they kind of, they don't necessarily grill him, but they kind of grill. Well, Eve does. Right, kind of grill. That's, that's Eve's, that's the only mode Eve has. Right, exactly. And he's. <laughs> when you're innocent. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing is he's got a girlfriend. And of course, she's pre-law. So she's yeah. like, I'm his representation. Because she sends everybody else out of the room. <laughs> and the girlfriend's like, um, I'm his representation. So I get to stay. The girlfriend yeah. is so funny. And Eve just like, is like, okay, here you go. Yeah. She's so. <laughs> the girlfriend's like, don't tell her anything. But, um. <laughs> Yeah, but all she learns there is that his his uh, his ID was probably stolen during they had a uh, New Year's Eve party, in which he, there was absolutely no underage drinking at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's the least of Eve's worries. So right, Eve was like, I just I always find those type of things to be just so amusing because it's like these children that they're like that's what they're so scared about and worried about. And you're like, Oh, you're innocence. You're, you're so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't have alcohol. Like, <laughs> like, like, um, Eve's, you know, Eve is like, the thing, like, I don't give a shit. I don't give I a shit if you had murder. alcohol. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, they didn't know about that, but obviously right away, but it's just, it's always amusing when you get that, like teenagers who are drinking underage and how they, respond to that right they have no idea the like the severity of what of why they're being questioned because all they can think about is i did this thing that's that's like the worst thing they can think about which is sweet right (laughs) you know i'm like oh okay i want you to live in your innocent bubble forever (laughs) (laughs) it says after working a couple more hours um at home well actually and he also tells them that jamie was there too so that jamie could you know, attest that he was actually there, you know, that they could ask Jamie, but she wasn't suspecting him, but you know, whatever, at least she's got Jamie. After working a couple more hours at home, Eve and Rourke go to bed and then Eve has a nightmare because Eve. Yeah. Because Eve, I mean, it's, it's been a bit since it's been as bad as this nightmare. Yeah. The next morning Eve wakes up to find Rourke gone uh, she's surprised to find him in his office speaking Chinese to an employee on the screen. He tells her it's a new two-way comp translation program. But the weird thing is, like, why didn't she... She would hear him speaking English first before it would translate, right? She She's just hearing him speaking so. Chinese. So I don't know. It was weird. Maybe um, maybe the program was... Because I thought about this, too. Is Is the program meant to be, like, his voice? Like, he doesn't necessarily say it, like, he types it in or something in English and it comes out in that. I don't know. Yeah, we I don't, don't get know. A full it doesn't, of that, it. that wouldn't, yeah, that I doesn't seem so. to be very Maybe. effect. Like, that doesn't seem to be as, like, as straightforward as it should be. But I have no idea. I am not um, a computer genius. Right. Nor, nor do I know how to translate any language other than sarcasm. Right. So. <laughs> so so eve's team arrives for the 7 a.m briefing uh 
Rourke will be available later to help because he's working. Baxter and Trueheart are added to the team. And when Whitney comes in, she begins her, you know, briefing. After the briefing, Eve hands out assignments. Whitney asks her to give him one too. And she does. And she gives him a private office to work in. Right. I I always love when Eve has to like figure out what to do with the commander. Yeah. Right. I forget which book it was in when she was like, what do I do with him? Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's a good one. I I love it. Uh, Eve and Peabody head to the park where Dina met David. They each find a witness who saw Dina with the boy. Eve arranges for Yancey to do work on a sketch with both of the women that they talked to. Eve returns home to speak to Captain McMasters. They go over some of his cases. At Columbia, Eve meets the president, Dr. Lapkoff, who promises to help in any way she can. And I think she was like kind of a fangirl, not necessarily like people are later on. Right. But she was just fascinated with Eve's work and like, you know, really into it. Well, I mean, because being people who live in the city, like no one, there are a lot of people who know who Eve is, even before the like explosion of iCove and all that. And it's fun. It's fun to see that. Right. And she's yeah. friends with Rourke. So obviously, yeah, she knows Eve. Not necessarily right. knows her, but knows of her. Yeah. And she probably, like everybody else, oh, I've been really curious about this woman who Rourke uh, finally decided to marry someone and I want to know who it is. Like, you know. Right. <laughs> I, I love, I just always love when that's mm-hmm. even like you are the biggest cop name in New York city, even before the Icoves. like, right. <laughs> Sorry, friend, you're just going to have to be known by everyone. And you married Rourke. So she is, as we learned uh, in our last episode, where we talk about tropes, she is the Smith of the yard. Right. Yes. So there you go. So after that, Eve meets with Dr. Mira for a consult. Mira met her uh, at uh, Columbia. And Mira asks about Eve's nightmares before going on with consult. Because she's Mira. Because she just knows. Um, the murderer is has sociopathic tendencies with a purpose. They conclude that he will be at Dina's memorial. Facts. <laughs> he will be. Yeah. Uh, Mira accompanies Eve to interview a possible suspect. She admires Eve's new car. Eve asks about, asks Mira about um, matron of honor duties. Mira assures Eve that a phone call to listen should suffice. And Eve is relieved. Mira asks about Eve's dress for the wedding. Eve replies, it's a yellow thing. <laughs> it's a yellow thing. I, I love Mira's reaction to this, where she's like, tell me what I'm wearing today. Oh, so Yeah, good. and Eve, like, perfectly, every detail. Perfect details. But she's wearing a yellow thing. <laughs> but it's so, you know, that's, that's so, so Eve, really. Eve. So just as they arrive to the interview, Eve observes a wallet snatcher and chases him down. Just, you know, fun little side thing. Right. And then Mira's like, you know, that was so exciting. Like (laughs) one minute you were here, the next minute you were, you were gone. After speaking with a possible suspect, Rizzo Banks, Eve eliminates him as a suspect. Next we see Carlene Robbins and she's a real estate agent and she's preparing a Soho loft to show a Soho loft to a young client. She's excited about the possible sale right before her wedding. 
Drew Pittering arrives with coffee to apologize for running late. Uh, he drugs the coffee and, you know, she passes out and then he gets her ready to be his next victim. Uh, Eve returns to Central and begins her runs. The team is briefed and they continue with their assignments. I'm always really sad when I get to that part of the book because we see that happen um, and we and then we don't know like it doesn't they don't find her till the next day you know so like right. we get to we get to see the prep for Carlene's murder right and then we're like the whole time like in the next few chapters you're like when are they gonna find that poor girl like you know it's just I don't know it just makes me extra sad and- yeah it seems to me like, yeah, I mean, it, they didn't really focus on her as much as Dina. I mean, they right. did, they didn't, but, um, which makes sense because she's a cop's daughter, you know? So. But the fact that she like, wasn't, you know, she wasn't missing. So no one was looking for her and right. she wasn't, you know, and so no one found her till the next day. So Eve has a whole 24 hours. You know how much fucking work she can get done in 24 hours or so (laughs) to like work before she finds out about this other murder. I don't know. Just my brain is always like, I'm so sad for her. Yeah. And for her family. Uh, Eve checks in with Yancey. He doesn't have much after working with the first witness, Marta Delroy. The second witness, Lola Merrill is due to arrive soon. He does note that the suspect had, and Anders airport. Then we found, oh, find yeah. out later Anders. Steve was wearing Anders <laughs> shoes, running shoes. Nice little uh, shout out to Nerd Air Case. To- um, while sorting through Dina's souvenirs, Eve finds two programs from the same play. After notifying Rourke that she's leaving, she takes it to the lab for fingerprint checks. Dickie's not happy again, and uh, since it's end of shift. Eve offers him Yankees tickets for a July game. On her way home, Eve stops by Charles and Louise's place to do her duty. Uh, She finds Louise planting flowers. Uh, After the tour of the house, Louise comments on staying at a hotel the night before the wedding so Charles won't see her. Eve invites Louise to stay at the house instead. Which, good job, Eve. Right, good job. She was probably thinking like, you know, what, did that just pop out of my mouth? (laughs) (laughs) Did I just? Well, and also Eve, always the logical one. Like that doesn't make sense to her. Right. Yeah. And it says back home after her insult exchange with Somerset, Eve feels good and gets back to work. Meanwhile, Carlene has died. The killer is finished and heads home. Rourke returns home from Central, tired and annoyed from doing cop work. (laughs) Which, you know, now he can kind of understand Eve a little bit. Somerset notes that it's a change that Rourke is home late for dinner without notice. And he says, um, then don't tempt me to insult you like Eve does. (laughs) Somerset's probably like, what the the hell? (laughs) Yeah. Rourke? What is but, you know, I mean, yes. Yeah, Cop so. work is turning you into this person. Right. So now you can kind of understand how Eve is. So you understand why Eve is always biting Somerset's head off. Yeah. When Rourke enters Eve's office, he tells her they'll eat before she says he says anything. She agrees and she gets steak and salad for dinner. She like 
I'll get it. He's like, oh, will you? Good for Eve. Every now and again, Eve does that. And Rourke's always like, what? What? <laughs> okay. Cool. And, uh, well, you know, it's a, it's kind of a nice little, because, you know, she's like, you know what? She sees that he's annoyed and tired. And she's like, yeah, I, I can get food. And that does help him a little bit. Because when she comes back, um, it, you know, she's got some wine or he got some wine. And um, says his brows rose again at when she rolled out dinner for two on a table when he'd assume they'd eat at her desk. And she says, let's eat by the windows. And, um, you know, so he's kind of starting to relax a little bit now, which is, which is good, you know? And then she tells I him mean, when Rourke gets to the point where he needs to relax, like this isn't very, this is not just like, oh, he had a bad day. Rourke is generally well, I, not a person who is. I, I like the fact that, um, Eve is taking care of him for a change. I love that. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's a nice reminder. And like, obviously Rourke knows that Eve is, is, will, is always doing that in her own way. Like he knows that. Um, but having that extra bit of like of care from her and he's, he also will recognize that it's the effort she puts into that because he knows how much she does care. Right. Um, you know, yeah, no, it's always nice to see that just, just for the sheer point of, we know we know she cares about him so much right but and he does too it's just yeah it's always nice it's a nice little reminder but people still will say like she's people horrible love to be like eve he does everything for her she yeah right everything for him. i just it just floors me that people don't see it you know what i'm saying it, right it just, it just i'm like how are you invested in this couple if you don't see that? Yeah. Like, why are you reading the series? Why are you reading the series? If you're not seeing that in this couple, because it's right there. It's like, on the page. Clear as day on the page. Yeah. In fact, it's extra, I think it's extra special and unique because they're not this like lovey-dovey all over each other, overly romantic, traditional, you know, romancy couple. That's why we read this series. Right. That's like, that's why we like these characters is because they're interesting and they care for each other in different ways. Right. And they're like, you know, what's fun for us to talk about at dinner murder. <laughs> yeah. Just saying, like, I don't feel like you're actually invested in these characters if you don't right. see that. And I also think it's interesting in this particular book where Eve is so triggered by this whole, this whole case but she's still doing an awful lot of taking care of Rourke. They're taking yeah. care of each other a lot in this. In this, this is book. a really good one where they do they do do that a lot. Yeah, but normally if she's if she's got a case that's triggering her, it's it's a lot of Rourke taking care of her. Yeah, but it's in this one. It's it yeah, it's both, and it, it it's really nice to see. Nice to see them like have function outside of the scope of murder. Right. <laughs> Um, so while they're eating, Eve tells him that she went over to, um, see Louise at her new place. It says, now his brows winged up. Aren't you full of surprises? <laughs> yes. You can do things too. <laughs> and it says, I was almost there anyway. And okay, I figured she wouldn't be there. So I could just leave a note and, you know, <laughs> friend credit. 
And it says, looking at her, listening to her, he laughed for the first time in hours. Never change. <laughs> she says, it's so good. Well, it should have worked, but she was there planting flowers, which who would expect? And he says, like so. astonishing. And then I love this line. She says, I don't have to eat sarcasm to recognize the flavor. <laughs> and she says, anyway, I had to go in and go through the place have to say it looks like them smooth and sophisticated. And now she's whacked with happy, which kind of infects anyone within a 10 foot radius. She stuffed her salad in her mouth to get it over with like an airborne virus. <laughs> and work says, God, you romantic fool. No wonder I adore you. And she said, so while I was infected, she's talking about how she's going to stay in a hotel the night before the wedding because she doesn't want Charles to see her the day of, and she's got to get rubbed and polished and painted. And I said, she could stay here. And Rourke's like, she should, of course. And then I said how she'd probably want her women friends with her. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> just came out of the wacky, happy infection. Yeah, I mean, he was just like, oh my God, where, where did that come from? Right. Oh my God. Until, it wasn't until I had some distance and it was too damn late that I realized one of those women would be Trina. Has to be. Now I've opened it all up to a bunch of women with wedding mania, one of whom will come at me. Oh, yes, she will, with gunk and goo. <laughs> and, I mean, kudos to Rourke for not just bursting out laughing right? at this whole thing. Like, yeah. Really? Because that's, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, because it's Rourke, he thinks her heart, Rourke thought, would always win out over her sense of self-preservation when it came to those who mattered to her. He says to her, but think of the cr friend credit you'll accumulate. And she says, I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> so so that, the whole exchange is just fantastic. Stop it. You're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so of course, after dinner they decide well you know what let's just go uh, do some laps in the pool and that turns into them having pool sex i mean yeah that's that's what that's what that always means right <laughs> laps in the pool my ass <laughs> <laughs> so but again you know it's them kind of taking care of each other in this um in this book so we do love that it's a good thing Eve calls Jamie and sends him to Columbia with a sketch. Oh, Yancey calls them afterwards and uh, reports that he has a sketch and it looks good. And he thinks this is the guy. Um, Eve asks him to distribute it to the team members. Then Eve calls Jamie, sends him to Columbia with a sketch to use their imaging program. Uh, Jamie calls a few hours later. He's got a suspect with a 97.3% probability. And his name is Darren Pauly. Uh, back in Rourke's lab, Rourke, along with Feeney McNabb via screen, break through the virus. And they're ready for a pun. So, I mean, this doesn't, this outline doesn't really give you much. It doesn't explain that. So in order to wipe the disks from the uh, security system at the McMaster's house, Darren or whoever, is, what, what is the guy's actual name? Darren. Darren. Darren Paul. Yeah, you're right. right. So, Paul, um, yeah. He, no, I'm like, I was second guessing now. Yeah, all right. Yeah, because he, he had several different fuck names. That, fuck that guy. Um, but um, <laughs> he uploaded a virus. So they'd been trying yes. to work on this virus and, and get it so that they could 
see the actual security tapes. So they finally, they finally did it and they're like, you know, all ready for a pint. They're like, we, we earned this. Right. The amount of time that, that like e-cops must spend just looking at a screen, like the rest of the world, we look at a screen so much, but like, nope. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you know, people do that now. I mean, you know, people that you hear, Mm -hmm. like, especially with um, people that investigate, like, or that look through, because, you know, there's people that have to go through uh, Google results and Google, um, you know, videos and whatnot to filter out, to filter out, you know. I could, like, there's no way. Yeah. And you just the standard shit I have to do. There's there's a lot of stories of people like that having to do that because they have to filter through, they have to look through all of the crap that gets posted. And that includes all kinds of child porn and snuff films and like, and they, they, it, it takes a person that is, can be strong, but a lot of people have like, you know, pieced out on that because they can't, they can't oh. do it, you know. I could not imagine. I could not imagine. So, so a while later, even Rourke head to Alabama because they looked up. Um, they looked up Darren Pauly and found that his dad is listed as Vincent Pauly. He lives in Alabama, so they go to Alabama to um, interview him. Yes, Darren's dad is not sure he's the father. Apparently, the mother, who he knew as Inga Sorensen, used him while his brother Vance was in jail. After Vance was released, she disappeared with the kid and everything she could get from him. He hadn't seen Darren or Vance in seven years. On their way back to the airport, uh, Baxter checks in with her. He realizes that she's in Alabama and asks her for barbecue. With some Alabama barbecue. And she, I've, I'm not, I'm not the authority on barbecue. Like, is is it particularly good in Alabama versus anywhere in the south? I don't, you know. I mean, I don't know if there's, you know, better barbecue in Alabama than any place else, but um, probably better a barbecue in Alabama than New York. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> would, would would say that's probably true. So, I mean, I I I don't blame him for asking for her to bring back some barbecue. I mean, and she has the means. She she does. She could. I mean, Roar could have she ordered barbecue back. and had it waiting in the plane. But you know, you know, Eve. <laughs> it's not. It's not her Is job to um, comfort Baxter. Only Roar. Right. <laughs> Roar's like, okay, well, I'll handle it for you. I guess. <laughs> so Baxter reports he found a girl who had some classes with Darren and saw him at the new year's Eve party in Darren's room back home. Even Rourke find many aliases for Darren, Darren's family. Uh, they find young Jonah McMaster's arrested and Irene Schultz in 2039. She had a husband, Victor Patterson and a son, Damien. After she served 18 months in prison, they all vanished. Uh, Later, they find the mother was killed in Chicago in 2041. She was raped and murdered by strangulation. She was known as Ilya Schooner. At that Mm -hmm. time, her husband was Val Pruitt, 
son was David. Eve wonders how that leads to McMaster's. They go to bed after setting the computer for more searches. Well, after Eve tries to stay up and do more searches, and Rourke is like, no. Well, yeah, you know, because that's always how it is, right? Oh, I I missed another one of the my favorite lines in this because after their um after their time in the pool and Rourke's gonna go back and work more on the virus. Um Eve is asking him, like, you know, how is how is it going and you know, what is it about this virus that's you know got you all stumped? Um and He's like, we're not stumped. And he says, the bleeding investigation is ongoing and we're pursuing all shagging avenues. <laughs> <laughs> Which I really love. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> okay, Rourke. And then, you know, in the plane going back, I think going back to New York, they have the whole time zone discussion. Oh, yeah. Well, anytime there's a time zone uh, change or, you know, someone lives in a different time zone, Eve has to comment on it. Right. It's um, just how it goes. That is just how it goes. The team arrives for the morning briefing. Somerset wheels in a buffet table and steps out of the way of the stampede. (laughs) After handing out the assignments, Eve hands Baxter a bag. It's barbecue and he's ecstatic. Oh, they did get him barbecue. See, I didn't even see. I apparently wasn't reading well. (laughs) On this one. You're, so. not think, you're not thinking of Baxter. I'm not thinking like of Rourke Baxter, was. just like he's not. Rourke thinking. was putting Baxter first. It's fine. Well, they didn't say they were getting barbecue, so. That's true. I, I was true. I wasn't she focused just, on that. She just kind of let it happen. Right. In the car, Peabody tells Eve that it was Mag of her to invite Louise and the girls to stay on Friday night. Thinking of Trina, Eve prays that she won't regret it. She will. <laughs> she will. When Eve so walks into Homicide, she smells donuts. Which means Nadine. Nadine. Nadine tries to get a scoop. Eve gives her a small lead about high-end security systems. At 9 a.m., Eve finds McMaster's in Whitney's office. He remembers that the Irene Schultz case. He he knows she took the fall for her husband, and well, she took the fall, and her husband walked. So we're yes. starting to learn a little bit about what's the guy's name, Vince, or is Vince the brother? Vince. Um, Vance. His Vance? name is Vince. Yeah, v- Vance. No, is his name Vance? Vincent. Vince. Yeah, his name is no. The Vincent's the brother. Vincent's the brother. Yeah, maybe it is Vance. Fuckers. Yeah, yeah. That's a You're terrible right. thing to name your kids. Vance Vincent and Vance. Vincent. Fuck right off. Yeah, uh, we don't care if they're twins. Right. Stop naming your twins. That's that's not even cool. Yeah. <laughs> So we're already learning that basically Vance is a user. Yeah. Very clear. That guy is like obsessed with himself. Right. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, oh, no one matters but me. (laughs) Back in her office, Eve reads the Chicago file. Then Lieutenant Politi calls from Chicago. They suspected the husband, but he was conveniently alibied. They think he might have set her up with a local gang, the Stallions. What a nice guy. I don't know. Super cool guy. Love to hang out with him. Yeah. Eve thinks of the pattern and how the kid was influenced by his dad. She tells Peabody they need to run everyone involved in the mother's incarceration. 
just then Eve gets a call from dispatch, uh, and it's uh, Carlene Roberts' murder. So they go to the Soho loft and survey the scene. It looks like she was killed the same way as Dina. Her mother is Janie Robbins, the child services agent who took Darren into foster care when his father was taken in for questioning. We have to talk about the other real estate agent and how he sucks. Okay. I don't remember that. The real estate, oh, the real estate agent who found her was like that fam. The people oh, who found okay. her were like traumatized. And he's just like, no, 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 this place for like, he, he was like such a dick about everything. <laughs> he's like, they got it. She got it. She got this place before me. And like, I'm like, this woman is dead. You asshat. Right. I like him. He's like, yeah, but I have a potential sale here. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, fuck right off. Because <laughs> this couple are clearly like, I'm not fuck. No, no why yeah, would we go we're to this not. Place? Yeah, exactly. Like, bye. Like, Can we go? Yeah, if, yeah. Like we're gonna be sleeping in this master bedroom with the vision of this woman in our heads. Like, yeah. No. I mean, like that. That guy does not have a future. It's probably bad enough <laughs> when when you're somebody who buys a house or something when you know that somebody's died in it. I mean, cause they have to disclose that. Yeah. But when you actually walked in on the person dead. Yeah. I don't think that that's going that's to not a sale. go down well for you. You're not getting that sale. <laughs> that's not a sale, my guy. <laughs> it is not a sale. You are not going to sell that. Especially- that is oh not a sale God. for you. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, Sorry, I was like, I have to make sure I talk about how much I hate this guy. <laughs> Important. Yeah. Important. And I feel bad for the people, but it's like, he, she's trying to get information from him and the and the, the wife or the fiance or whatever is just like, can we go? Let's go. Let's go. I want to go. Like, And I don't blame her. I, I don't blame her at all. I would be freaked as well, but it's like, she's trying to get information from you. And uh, well, meanwhile, the fucking realtor is like, well, hold on. Um, uh, you, you know, I'm sure that you can get a cheaper you, price when for you. When you were in there, did you manage to see how big the closets were? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> while you were busy being traumatized for the rest of your life. Did you happen to notice that amazing picture? What about the view? The view is beautiful. <laughs> oh. Sorry about, sorry for anybody out there who's a real estate agent, but. <laughs> well, I mean, if you are, I'm sure that that is not how you would um, operate in this moment. Would not be <laughs> like, not. Uh, yeah, I know a woman is dead, but I could be making a really, really good commission. Right. This, so, um, <laughs> could you just like, could you just like, uh, let me finish this, <laughs> this appointment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. That guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Eve does notice that Carlene's purse is missing. The security cameras have been corrupted, of course, and a cup of coffee is found. Eve talks to Anthony Hampton, who's Carlene's fiance. He's devastated as they were getting married on Saturday. So sad. Yeah. So yeah, sad. felt so bad for this guy because like everybody was in town, you know, they were getting ready and it, yeah. It just it's bad well and like the parallel to the fact that like you know eve while not actually actively helping prepare is also preparing for a wedding that weekend right like the eve like you know you're just all this wedding stuff and yeah oh makes me kind of sad 
So um, back at Central, McMasters gives a media statement. Eve takes questions. Nadine asks if the case is related to Carlene's. Uh, the reporters go nuts. Eve angrily walks off. <laughs> Even Nadine, like one of these days, people are just going to be like, okay, these two bitches, they're setting us up every time. <laughs> like the fact Rodin, that no one Rodin. understands that they're being set up yeah. by Eve and Nadine. Come on, guys. <laughs> well, Rourke understood. Right. Rourke totally understood. Yeah. He was like, yeah, she wouldn't have done that to you. <laughs> like, I'm on to your shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, didn't have me fooled. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Eve uh, briefs the team. The EDD team finally got a clear picture of Darren Polly walking into the McMaster's home. Feeney says they'll have all. Feeney says they'll have all the vid from both scenes by end of shift. Um, even Rourke go to the morgue. What a great team. They're rock stars. They really are. Well, they already figured out his uh, little um, virus. So, yeah. Um, oh, is that is that the part of the of it when when Feeney is like, oh yeah, let's ask the no, that's later on when he's like, let's ask the the civilian, and he thinks he's talking about Rourke and he's talking about Jamie. Mm. I think that's later on. Yeah, so that's a nice little scene. Um. So even Rourke goes to the morgue. And this is when they have a little discussion about, about Nixie. They're walking through the morgue. Yes. And he says, I remember when we brought Nixie here. Brutal. But then I suppose it always is. She's doing well with Elizabeth and Richard and young Kevin. They're making a family. I think she's able to do that because you gave her resolution. And Eve says, she's tough. She'll make it okay. She's definitely tough. And she says, the one who's responsible for what's in there, he didn't have to crawl through his mother's blood like Nixie did. He didn't have his entire family slaughtered in their own beds. He doesn't have half of Nixie's spine. He's weak, and I'm going to give him one hell of a resolution. Hell yeah. You go, Eve. Right. I, I love it. Like, she just, she has these lines where you're just like, hell yeah, you go. <laughs> It's always great when she gets on her little, she gets on her little soapbox and she gets to say these like badass things. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this is why everyone likes you. And then she turns around and is a tiny bit aggressive in one moment. People are like, she's so awful. <laughs> oh, she's trying to get shit done, guys. She just wants to get shit done. She just wants to get shit done. You know, even Rocco the morgue, Morris tells them she was killed the same way as Dina. Also, Carlene was pregnant. Oh yeah, so sad. Morris mentions the first virgin, first the virgin, and then the bride is the wife next. And Eve thinks that that may be the order Darren is picking the victims. So good job, Morris. I don't know. If, right. I don't know if he was Thanks, already Morris. thinking that, but right. I mean, my brain. I was like, I, I don't know that that was like a thing. Mm -hmm. But but you know, that's something that cops and apparently um, morticians think about. Um, right. The clerk who sold Darren the Columbia gear is interviewed. She remembers that he was cute and had a killer smile. Eve needs to talk to all who were related to the Irene Schultz case. Rourke arranges a hollow meeting. Elise Wagman, the former public defender's partner, recognizes the photo as Dom Petrelli, a young journalist she'd gone out with a few times. 
They have a date next week. Eve speculates Elise is not the next in line because she's divorced. So he's looking for somebody who's married. Right. So she like found one of the one of the future victims, but has not. But is like this one's not next. Right. So chapter 18, they go to Columbia. Is this when they see Peach yeah, again? Yeah, they, they talk to Peach again. Dressed in a power red suit and the shoes that emphasize her height and made Eve's ankles throb uh, when she noted them, Peach Lapkoff waited outside the administration building. Those razor-sharp eyes took on a sultry hue as she held out both hands to Rourke. <laughs> Rourke. so yeah she's talking to somebody that works at the sports center they talked to judge serenity momoto who was the judge in the case um her 90 year old mother charity momoto recognizes darren as a denny plimpton a young man who takes piano lessons from her he comes on wednesdays the day her husband deke plays golf he is switching to friday this week her husband is going camping until sunday she is the next target. Uh, and she is so amazing. Yeah, she's fantastic. <laughs> she is so amazing. Yeah. She's maybe one of my favorite characters <laughs> in the entire yeah. series that we only see once. After the hollow meeting, Eve plans to take down Darren at the memorial because she's sure that he's going to go there. Rourke copies the meeting recording and steers Eve to their bedroom while she, where she has wine, cake, and candlelight. Eve tells... He tells Eve no cake until she takes a blocker. She agrees. The cake is worth it. <laughs> well, that's the way to do it, Rourke. Just, right? you know, tell her she can have cake every time. Right? Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll do whatever. Right. So the next morning during the briefing, Eve outlines the strategy for the memorial and hands out assignments. A cop from McMaster's unit asks if they will share a sketch with all the cops. Eve decides no. She doesn't want a hothead mistake foreshadowing <laughs> foreshadowing <laughs> even peabody arrive at the memorial venue um when the mcmasters arrive carol mcmasters goes off on eve which i was like so pissed at that you know i mean you hate to be pissed at this mother who has lost right. a child but this whole scene it's, was hard it's so yeah I, like i it's very hard to, for me too i'm always like and i get like this pretty much anytime i see in like real life and in these books, um, anytime I see people getting like unfairly reamed for things, uh, especially in these books where, you know, we know how hard Eve is working. And I, ugh, and I'm like, I don't even mad at you because you literally are like living the worst hell right now. But ugh. yeah, especially <laughs> Eva's, yeah. Eva's working so hard. Yeah. And you have, you have a, a husband who's a cop. You know how it is. You, you are married to a cop. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, like it's, you know, obviously she's never been through this before. Um, so right. everything is hard. Everything is hard. But like, you're just upsetting yourself. Yeah. What what answer is Eve going to give you? Like what are you a- approaching Eve and, and verbally like berating her? What is the desired outcome that's possibly going to make you feel better? Right. Nothing. Nothing nothing that's just going to actually make you feel worse and then later on she you know like once she catches up and she's not in her head at a freaking memorial you know like and she does want to apologize to eve and of course eve is like you know right catching masters is like my wife apologizes eve eve understands like that's 
you know, but then she, she felt like shit. I'm sure when she was like, Oh, you know, I, I ripped this woman to pieces after everything she's done for me. Right. And then you feel like shit even more. Right. You've already been through so much. And so like, I don't know your, your initial instinct. I understand that you're like, but what would you want her to do? Right. Like, why wouldn't you were married to a cop? Yeah. You, you're, so there's going to be cops at your, your daughter's memorial. And why wouldn't you want the investigative officer there? Right. Like that's, that's showing that like the investigative officer who's, number one priority right now is this case is also taking the time to be present in all parts of it. Yeah. Coming to the memorial is a big deal. And I don't know. Yep. I know. I get, I, I was like, Oh, I don't want to be mad at you, but you're awful. Right now and I don't want to, I don't want to think that about right. you because I know you're living literal hell. Yeah. So, so a difficulty for us, I think to, um, to, empathize with this grieving woman while also thinking about how we want to stick up for Eve. Right. Cause we are like, I can't imagine the shit she's going through. Like I can't imagine that right. feeling. So. Oof, so sad. Yeah. And it's partially the, the husband's fault because he's like, I told her that you would happen by now. Like, dude, why are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> like, right. You what, know, what, you just, what kind of captain are you? Yeah. Come on, my guy. You know, it takes longer. Come on. Sometimes. I mean, and you had, you had like amazing, here's the thing is like as a cop, Captain McMasters, again, obviously your head's not in cop's face right mm-hmm. now, but like this guy, um, he circumvented your, your, uh, security. Like he didn't leave a trace. He got in your house and he raped and murdered your child. And, like there's no trace of him right so this guy's it's not like this was just some simple thing where she let this guy in and you found him on the on the security desk and you're like okay we got to find this guy like there were there's other cunning intelligent shit that's been going on on this guy's behalf that you're like yeah this guy's not an easy catch yeah don't tell your wife that don't worry lieutenant dallas will have this done in like a minute it's fine According to some of the reviewers, she walks into a crime scene and is like, oh, yeah, it was this person. <laughs> right? This is false. Yeah. Jonah does apologize to her, like, you know, so that's one thing, at least. Tibble arrives and tells Eve he hopes her strategy justifies the beating they are taking in the media because she's telling. And the other thing is she's telling the media that the investigation is stalled or they're kind of hinting to the media that the investigation is stalled so that Darren has, you know, kind of a sense of security so can i say something else about this yeah like chief tibble come on (laughs) you should know why do you care what the media says right well it's and it's yeah you first of all yes you should know better but like one you eve has played this fucking strategy before like it's this is not news but even if she hadn't like what does it matter what the media says like I understand that because that's what they are. They, when Eve calls them vultures, she's not wrong. Yeah. They will take a negative thing and they will run with it. They will pull it in the other direction. Just to make people look like shit because that is how media works. That's how media works now. That's clearly how media works in Nora's future, which is probably exactly how media will work in 2060 for real. Mm-hmm. Like that is what it is. And I, again, I understand the level of politics that you have to deal with as the chief of police I'm sure that that we do not like feeling like 
the world is judging us and thinking we're terrible. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. Right. I understand that. But like berating your officer about it at a public memorial is a little um, unacceptable <laughs> in my brain. Yeah. And also like this is Eve Dallas. She does not give a shit. And you know she doesn't give a shit. Right. Like he, she doesn't care what the media is. You telling that to her, she's going to be like, okay, yeah. And yeah. then later on, he's going to watch it again and be like, oh, she's playing the fucking media again. Like, <laughs> and he tells her, like, if she doesn't have an arrest this afternoon, the sketch will be released. She didn't want the sketch out. She didn't want Darren to know that they're onto him. Yeah. But he's like, you don't have this. Um, the sketch will be released. And you're like, dude. Like, come on. Can, do you trust me to have this investigation or not? Yeah. Like, Yeah. You either trust me or don't. I mean, it's like, yeah. yeah, stay out of it if you, you know, honestly. But she can't tell him to stay out of it. Because he's the chief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the chief. The chief. So uh, the crowd is larger than anticipated. As Eve is circulating, she hears a crash and the crowd panics. Her communicator is broken as she falls to the ground. Uh, she's hit in the eye, nose, back as she fights her way up. A couple of uniforms are taking down a man with shaggy hair and a ball cap. Across the room, Eve sees Darren dressed as staff. She tries to pursue him, but he gets away, and she's really pissed. I mean, she has every right to be. Yeah. Also, okay, I understand that, again, we're, like, mad that this happened, and we're going to blame Eve, and, like, Eve is so, honestly, she's, like, so gracious about the whole thing. But, like, there's a fucking stampede because um, police officers... Tackled someone like you guys live in New York City. That shit happens, right? Like if I have, I have literally watched Cleveland Clinic um, officers like detain a person. In you know, no one's running around screaming while they're grabbing this person, right? And it's not like the person that they detained was actively hurting someone. Like no one was actively hurting someone. Police officers just detained this guy and maybe like pushed by people and and like knocked him down or whatever but i don't understand how this turns into a stampede and people getting hurt like that's what the fuck happened right. there <laughs> i forgot about yeah. i forgot about that scene and i was reading it and i was like how did it turn into like mass panic it's not like there was a bomb threat or something um what she hears a crash and the crowd panics i mean yeah it's I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's possible that they heard the crowd heard the crash and thought it was something other than something worse. Something worse. Yeah, and, it just feels like very I was like, wow, we we overreacted, and, friends. Well, yeah, and you know what? I mean, it can happen because like, I don't know if I ever told you a story about um we were out with my mom. This was a few years back, pre-pandemic. And we were out with my mom at uh the local mall and there's a um a cheesecake factory there and we were going to eat and we were waiting for our table. And the next thing we know, somebody's screaming something about, you know, there's a shooter in the mall. And I mean, there was mass panic. I mean, and people were like yeah. jumping up and plates were flying and they were, people were screaming and running and, you know, we were trying to, my, here's my mom, this like, uh, he, she's in a wheelchair and we're in the lobby of you know the cheesecake factory and there's really no place because like where do we put her to hide her we're trying to get her behind the the um the check-in station you know and 
but yeah, people were just screaming and running and people ran out the back and, you know, people were running out of the mall. What ended up happening was um, there was a smashing grab in one of the, uh, oh. one of the jewelry stores in the mall. And somebody thought it was a mash, a shooting and people panicked. And, you know, of course yeah, there was a guy that uh, was an off duty police officer that, you know, in the, in the cheesecake factory that stood up and, you know, shouted something and like took out his gun and then everybody panicked about that. And like, you know, so it was just, you know, yeah, it was a clusterfuck. So it could be something like that. You know, it just needs you know, one person to like right. go off it the really rails does. and everybody else goes off the rails. My brain was just like, you know, again, like I just, to me, I, I was not imagining that, it, but I think you're right. There probably, probably was something very similar to that. That's just like the kind of noise it was and everyone's just on edge. And also they do live in a city where crazy shit happens, yeah. but my brain was like, did we overreact? <laughs> because like, well, yes, we I was thinking of, but... of the visual of literally two cops just like tackling the sky. Right. Um, but that's, yeah, obviously you focus on different things. And so your brain is like, well, this is what I was thinking about, but yeah. Yeah, it just takes one person to go like, oh my God, that guy had a gun. And then everybody's like, ah, and then you're running out. You know what I'm saying? Even if the guy didn't have a gun. Oh yeah. So the, yeah, that's just how it is. And I, I imagine that it's, it'd be, be even worse after you had lived through like a, a war, which they had in the book. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, also you live, you know, after like a mass shooting every two days you know like we just had one yesterday in texas uh, like we just had one yesterday like what are we um uh it's may 7th and we've had one day this year where we didn't have one. yeah it's is that it's right I think that's insanity and i just don't i don't can't, understand can't with this but anyway country. let's not um yeah. <laughs> let's not start <laughs> political discussion <laughs> but yeah you know it just takes one person to say something like and everybody's panicking yeah you know no, you're right. So, um, so anyway, so when Eve finally gets, you know, returns and talks to the kid that they took down, these two guys, his name is Zach. And I really loved Zach because Zach was <laughs> like, not necessarily that he was clueless, but he was like, yeah, that was wild. Like, you kind of had that. <laughs> it was like nothing to him. He was like, okay. Yeah. He was more worried about his friend because he didn't know Dina McMasters. He was there with his friend because she was weirded out going to a funeral. Zach's a good kid. Zach seemed like a good kid. So yeah, she talks to him and um, he kind of resembles Darren and that's why these guys took him down. Uh, the medical tech looks him over. The tech tells Eve she looks worse than and has her hand and hands her a cold wrap for her black eye. Uh, she reams the two uniforms who screwed up. They are from McMaster's unit. One of them admits he saw the sketch. The other was just assisting an officer. Eve reports to Whitney, Mc, who is pissed. Uh, McMaster's, so pissed. Yes. McMaster sticks up for Eve, so good for him. He knows this guy screwed up. Whitney will deal with Tibble, but gives her 30 hours to deliver. McMaster's wants in, and Eve agrees. Back at Central, Eve informs the team that McMasters would join them. Then she asks who leaked Sketch and Officer Flang, who we've never seen and will never see again, um, is mm -hmm. the one. 
Uh, She reams him, puts him on report, then dismisses him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then an operation for the next day is planned. So they're going to go to um, Charity Momoto's house and catch him there. It's going to be so good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Eve and Rourke return home. Somerset is there with a good insult. (laughs) Eve is pissed that hers wasn't as good. You know, it's just how it goes. Yeah. Can't win them all, Eve. Both Eve and Rourke are bruised. Uh, Eve wants a, a bath. And Rourke gets some wine while they're in the bath. They they both go in there in the whirlpool. And, you know, that leads to sex. Because apparently, I don't know, anytime they're submerged in water, it sex. seems like sex happens. They, they do have a lot of shower <laughs> sex, so yeah. Anytime water's involved, if they're both in water at the same time, sex is going to happen. We've figured that out in this series. Feeling better, Eve checks in with Baxter and Trueheart. They're staying with the Momotos for security. Uh, and the Momotos made them a homemade dinner. <laughs> oh, it's so great. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you know, chicken and mashed potatoes and green beans. And it sounds delicious. So. I feel like, I feel like, like, I feel like Trueheart probably has like homemade meals with his mom probably every now and oh, again. Yeah. But you know Baxter doesn't. No. You know, this is like Baxter is like living it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was thrilled. <laughs> um even the team set up for at the Momotos. Uh Feeney and Eve watch from the den as Momoto as the Momoto men load up for their camping trip. They finish saying goodbye and leave. Mrs. Momoto enters the house and sits down to play the piano. Feeney is disappointed in Eve's lack of culture because she doesn't recognize the classic <laughs> uh, Springsteen Mrs. Momoto is playing. What could she be playing on the piano? That, I don't even know. Is she doing a classical version of like Born to Run or? <laughs> I know. I was like, I was like, where Springsteen on the piano is, I mean, okay. I wonder there's, so there's a, I know I mentioned the TikToks every time we have a, episode now but uh, there's a guy that does um he plays piano and i think he does he does weddings for people he plays at <clears throat> people's weddings and what his stick is shtick is is on uh, on um uh tiktok is that he he takes the classic wedding songs that they people you know enter to like what is that one wedding song that people always enter to like um Joy, oh, Ode to Joy, or no, that's not oh, it. Yeah. One of I, those. It's it's one of those like uh, for Elise type of things, right? And yeah. you know, people normally enter to that. And then, like for example, he did one where this couple, um, were also big fans of The Office, so he started with that. Well, he started with the the classical song, and then he like merged it into The Office theme <laughs> like yes so, like, so i feel like it's something like that like she's done a classical version where it sounds like classical but it's actually springsteen those those are the best i i was in a wedding once and the pianist did very similar things to that there was not a classical song in the wedding like he was playing classic rock and he was playing like show tunes and stuff but like in in the wedding style in the style of yeah like, of yeah. a wedding yeah and it was and it was really fucking great. And then I, you know, went to a traditional wedding a couple of weeks later and I was like, boring. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Step it up with the music, people. Come on. Yeah. So, yeah, the suspect is spotted walking toward the home. 
He and Mrs. Momoto confirm that she is alone. Oh, he calls Mrs. Momoto to, to confirm she's alone. He doesn't say that, like, are you alone? <laughs> you know, he's talking right. to her in a friendly manner, like, hey, did your husband get off okay? You know. Oh, he's good. Yeah. And she's like, she's better. She's better, though. <laughs> she, I like the part where, like, Eve is talking to him, or Eve, Eve notices her talking to him, and she's like, I hope no one else noticed that that was loaded, and she is... <laughs> She is on his bullshit. Right. She's so And the great. whole time she's oh. like, you know, Eve is worried about this 90-year-old woman being in this op and, you know, is she is she afraid or anything? Eve is trying to make sure that, are you okay? And it's like, are you, you don't have to worry. And she's like, I'm not worried. Got all these police officers here. Why should I be worried? You know, do you want a muffin? <laughs> she's like trying to give Eve a muffin. Here, I'll get you some coffee and a muffin. You look like you could eat, you, you know... <laughs> You, you need something to eat and you know they sit down with a coffee and a muffin and they go over everything and yeah i mean she's just fantastic yeah he so he calls to confirm she's alone he arrives and is let in he's brought daisies uh so mrs momoto takes the daisies and she's gonna take them into the kitchen to give him water and that's all been planned out uh then he pours drugs into her lemonade uh then that's when Eve and the team come out. And, they, and he was like, uh, I think not, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's a direct right. quote. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, pretty close to it. <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, they have him in restraints. And then there's a tense moment where McMasters is there and he has his stunner and he like kind of like thinks about it for a minute, you know like thinks about using the center on the kid and to kill him, but he doesn't. So <laughs> that's, you know, and Eve tells him that, uh, you know, it's going to be a while before she questions Jonah. So, you know, or no, before she questions Darren. So tells him to go home and, and tell his wife, they got him. At Central, Eve waits until Whitney, Mira, McMasters and the APA arrive to observe before she begins the interview. Um, and it's so funny cause like Eve is like there, even Peabody are talking about it beforehand and, um, Peabody's all like, so I'm going to be good cop again. And Eve tells her <laughs> like, no, this time there's not going to be any good cop. It's like no good cop. When Peabody goes off the rails <laughs> and it's amazing. He, she really does. At a certain point, like Eve is like, <laughs> I'm going to have to like teach her how to throttle that back a teach her how bit. to do this <laughs> but honestly like i i find it very cathartic when we see peabody just like completely flip this switch yeah like she's she's feral like honestly she's the one i'm afraid of because you know when eve is pissed you know when eve is about to take you down but apparently peabody could just yeah <laughs> you know you have to watch the nice one yep <laughs> and that was a trope also right yeah that was a trope <laughs> darren admits to everything he tells them that he and his father are a team and they planned everything together eve tells him uh it was his father who was responsible for his mother's de death not mcmasters or anyone else then eve sends peabody to the wedding rehearsal while she finishes up yeah and rourke is waiting in her office he's found where vance and darren live so one one thing that we kind of skipped over there's there's one of my favorite uh, lines here another one of my favorite lines is 
after the um, what happened at the uh, memorial, and they're driving back to Central. And Rourke has also been beat up. Rourke and Eve both took a beating during that time. And um, he tells her that um, he talked to the, uh, the funeral home, says, uh, it was simply pointed out that the company held the lion's shares of responsibility as it was their security who allowed an intruder, which I assumed was wiser, was a wiser term than suspect. And he says to her, um, they allow the intruder access to their facilities into a memorial for a murdered victim where several people, including police officers, were injured. I believe those in charge now understand the ramifications and the possible consequences and pub- publicity of a countersuit. Because they were talking about suing the, the police department. Yeah. And she said, that's why you wheel the deals. And he says, it is, yes. And then he says to her, how's my favorite face? And he says, she turned to Sedium. You look okay. <laughs> uh, that was one. <laughs> so good. There's, I will say, so this this book has some particularly great Eve Rourke banter. Yeah. Um, there's not as much Eve Peabody banter in this book. Right. Um, but the Eve Rourke banter is pretty solid. Right. And, uh, and also while uh, Eve and Mrs. Momoto are having their muffin, um, Eve is asking her, is she afraid? And she's like, no, you know, you're all here. It's fine. Um, and uh, she said, um, I also have to tell you again, we could take him outside. We have enough for an arrest. And she says to Eve, but it's going to help slam dunk your case down the road if you take him inside and after he tries to drug me i've got a judge for a daughter and plenty of lawyers in the family cops too i know what's what and then she said she leaned forward do you know what i really want honey i want you to take that little fucker down and take him hard and i want a piece of it (laughs) you like you go mrs momoto this is why everybody likes her so much she's the best she's so fucking great yeah there's also another another point in time where Rourke says something to Eve before they talk to Mrs. Momoto's daughter, uh, Serenity Momoto. And, you know, Eve's just thinking about her own family, basically, that um, Vance Polly basically uh, pulled the strings and the woman whored for him and dealt with dealt for him. And somewhere along the line, he started running the show. Looking for easier money, more flash, more cash, et cetera, et cetera. So she's thinking about her own parents. And um, Rourke says to her, whatever you remember or feel, you need to know that whatever they were, they did one worthwhile thing in their miserable lives. And that was you. Whatever they were, they couldn't destroy that. They couldn't stop you from becoming. So I just thought that was a really sweet thing for her, him to say to her. I do like that line. Within 90 minutes, okay, so Rourke found where Vance lives. Within 90 minutes, Eve has Baxter, True, Art, Feeney, and the team waiting for Vance to come home. He's probably out establishing an alibi. While while strolling around with Rourke, Eve notices how close to Charles and Louise's place they, they are. Then Charles walks up to them, wondering what they're doing there. And they miss the rehearsal. And they keep him talking so it looks natural when Vance is spotted. 
Eve arrests him while a fascinated Charles watches. Um, even if I, I love that Charles gets to see this. Right. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> the subtle way we get to include all of the uh, non-cop characters. Yeah. And, but it's like Eve is like, they're, okay, they're going to take this guy down. All of a sudden there's Charles and she's like, oh, great. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> <Great>. So, <laughs> yeah. Hi, Charles. Yeah, the wedding. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, talk to Rourke for a minute. <laughs> so. Um, so Eve interviews Vance alone after sending everyone home. Uh, she loses it for a minute, but calms herself after putting her hand on the glass, knowing that Rourke was on the other side. Vance blames his son for everything. When that doesn't work, he tries to bribe Eve. And that doesn't work either. I love when people try to bribe Eve. Like, oh, yeah, what are you doing, dude? She's, she's also, <laughs> first of all, work. she's a cop. Yeah, she's a cop. Second, she's married to fucking Rourke. What is she going to do with your money? Right, exactly. We're not thinking clearly. <laughs> I like, and because she's Eve, she's never going to do it. But one of these things I would love for her to flex and be like, oh, how five, five million? Wow, five million dollars. Oh. <laughs> I think of all I could do with I, that money. Wow, that's so nothing compared <laughs> to what I actually have because I'm married to her. Like, she would never do that because that's not Eve, right. But, Dear God, would it be funny as hell for it, her to flex that way? Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so we get an epilogue in this book, and the epilogue is basically the wedding of, um, or the pre- preparation, because we never really see the wedding. Um, it's saying Eve squirms as Mira takes care of her bruised face while admonishing Eve for getting hit in the face right before the wedding. Eve points out that she got two murderers. And then Mavis drops a smiling Bella on Eve Eve's lap. Eve panics when Bella tries to stand. Oh what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> Peabody hands Eve a glass of champagne as she picks up Bella. APA Cher Rio comes in and announces that Darren waived a trial and Vance wants a trial, but he's going to lose. After Trina finished with a relieved Eve, she puts on the dress. It's lovely. The yellow thing that she puts on the yellow thing. Yeah. Uh, Eve helps Louise with the buttons of her dress and Louise is perfect outside. As she walks down the aisle, Eve's eyes met with Rourke's. She's reminded of their own wedding day and thinks sometimes life is perfect. It's a lovely ending to the book. It really is. It really is. It definitely found myself being a little annoyed with Eve. Every time Peabody tried to do wedding things, Right. Um, and I also like, I understand Eve is definitely under a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. but I will say that I, I thought I would be more annoyed with Peabody about it. And I was like, I'm actually not like she is Peabody is trying to do the cop thing and do the wedding things that she knows Eve is not really going to do. Right. And has, and clearly has no like ill will toward Eve when Eve is actually the matron of, or the, yeah, the matron of honor. And, Eve gets to hold that space. Yeah. And Peabody is just continually herself and always happy to help. And like, this is what she knows she can do. And I think that it was a really, I think Eve subtly let that whole frustration with Peabody trying to bring up the wedding. I feel like she subtly let that go when she was like, you go to the rehearsal, you handle this because she knows she can count on that. And Eve isn't going to stop. That said, like, this is one of those situations where, like, 
you have a life, Eve. You have a life. <laughs> I know. I know that like the the case is like crazy, and we're we're hitting the moment, and that's that's like the whole point of that conflict of Eve being like, well, I you know, I I can't do wedding things because I have to bring this murderer down, right? Which is fair, but at the same time, you're like this. There are other cops. There are other people on your team, and as the investigative officer, you still did all of this work, you know. Yeah. So. It's whether I, I just every time Eve is like that, I'm just like, oh, Eve. But I there were a few times where she would be like giving Peabody shit for trying to do wedding things. And I was like, mm, Eve, <laughs> it's it's we don't have to be like aggressive about it. We can just be like, right. Yeah. Can we focus on this right now? Um, But also like, again, because Eve and Peabody have their relationship and they are clearly understanding of each other and Peabody would knows that Eve is not being intentionally an asshole. But people I think might comment on that and be like, you know, Peabody's just trying to help. Yeah. And Peabody, if you were to ask Peabody, she'd be like, yeah, that's just how Dallas is. But right. I still gotta get it out. Yeah. You know, it's but I know I personally was like, oof, maybe not, maybe not the way to handle that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we still love you, Eve. We do. So um, now we're at the point where we give commendations and I probably should point out everybody listening to this probably realized by now that, that Jen dropped and uh, you know, we're not sure what's going on, but you know, I mean, Jen is dealing with some stuff. So yeah, she just needs some rest. So, um, but you and I will give commendations. Yeah. And uh, you want to go first? Sure. I'm absolutely going to give one to Jamie. I think that, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of badass in this book, but you know, Jamie did some really great work and it's always nice to see him. And this is the second time in the series we've watched him lose someone important to him and then continue to work like mad, you know, with the cops to make things happen. And yeah. Yeah. Um, well, clearly you need to give one to a charity Mamoto. Well, yeah, she was I was, I was a charity Mamoto was obviously like the standout in yeah. this book, but, um, so then next we need to do, uh, listener comments on this book. Yes. Here I can pull up. I know we got a ton on Facebook. I don't think we had a ton. We have some on um, on Insta, but I think we have more on Facebook. Yeah, we only have a couple. Do you want me to do the Insta ones first? Sure. Well, we just had basically Dina said, uh, Kindred, here I come. It's been a while, so I'll need a refresher. I, I put that whole um, quote by Rourke about Eve's parents doesn't matter who they were that they the one thing one good thing they did was to uh have eve and um yeah i don't know how to pronounce this julia julia says oh i love him i just love this series so much not a whole lot on kindred um you want me to go have with facebook yeah, unless you want me to do it. Oh, I got it. Okay. Um, on Facebook, Sue said, um, 
I absolutely loved Kindred and Death. It's one of my top six books. I loved when Peabody told the story of how she met Dina and the friendship between Dina and Jamie was so touching. That poor boy has lost so much in his life and it's great to see that he's that he's heading on the road to being a police officer. This book was very, very hard for me to read, but it was done so well. Um, Mary Ellis said, For me, Kindred is one of the hardest to read in the series. The horrible way the victims die and the effect the deaths have on Eve, everyone else too, but particularly Eve, is devastating. The team is great. The takedown is great. The total depravity of the killers is just too hard for me. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Donna said she was listening and Lori too. So I hope you guys finished now. So you are enjoying the episode. Um, Melissa said, this is one of the rare few I can't get through a reread. Great book. But if I feel like reading it again, I have to skip the first part. This one is definitely not a book I would recommend to someone new to the series, but it is definitely one that must be read at some point. Right. Melanie Johnson said, Charity Momoto is one of my favorite one-time characters susan erickson portrayed her beautifully i strive for her composure and generosity of heart yeah yeah she is fucking badass um susan caraway strickland said it's a hard book to read but it's hard because it's so well written your heart breaks for the for the mcmasters and the other victims family he is a character that i wonder how he does down the line can he actually keep on working or um, or can he and his wife stay together in the long run, or would his guilt break him? We get a visit with Jamie, and Charity Momoto is a bright spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christine Graftaggart said, Tough read, but very good. My heart breaks for the McMasters. Can he still be a cop, or is he even a better cop? I have to wonder. The murderer is a sad, mis- the murderer is a sad misguided brat. I'm so glad we also got the father. He is such a weak, evil man who uses others. Um, Kristen Hawk said, uh, what stands out to me in this one is one, pacing. The second murder doesn't occur until halfway through the book. Two, the different ways grief can manifest. And three, types of mothers, Dina's, Darren's, the judges. I was in the process of downloading the audiobook when you posted this, and I couldn't remember which story this was, though I've read... Though I've both read and listened to the book multiple times. Um, Michelle Kenyon said, It's a great book, but definitely a tough read. The father is indescribably evil, such a user. The son, the killer, is no better. But I can't help but wonder if he would have been a good person if not for that father. I find the pair of them quite disturbing. The McMaster's grief was tough to read, too. Charity Momoto is a bright spot. Uh Uh-huh. The moment when she starts playing Springsteen on the piano and Alice asks if it's Beethoven or Mozart or something. And Feeney says something along the lines of kid, where did I go wrong with you? Makes me laugh every time. And also Mrs. Momoto telling Dallas to take that little fucker down was another good moment. <laughs> her telling Dallas to stop worrying is another fave as is the image of her and her husband making Baxter Trueheart a roast chicken for dinner. Yeah. She also said, just listening to the book, I came across another fave moment. Somerset brings in food during your breakfast briefing. Dallas, God, doesn't anybody think of anything other than food? Somerset, thinking is often clear when the body is properly attended. His gaze then tracks to the murder board and says, I wish you all the clearest of thoughts. It's such a sweet moment, but also heartbreaking because he must be feeling this one down to his core. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Selena says, Selena, is it either? 
Uh, Selena said, in my re-listen, I had to skip some parts. They are so graphic. Mm -hmm. But Rob shows grief and emotional devastation so well. DP's father is such a spineless fuck. She actually didn't write fuck, but I'm filling in the blanks. Don't worry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He is so responsible for turning his son into a vicious killer. He had so much potential that is lost. Dickhead really proves he is a dickhead. But the story ends with such a delightful character. Charity Momoto is so strong, so determined, so much what I wish I could be. Nisi Nisi said, my question is, how is it everybody remembers a case from 20 years so well? (laughs) Well. Uh, Sue McCreary said, me too. According to Goodreads, I read this four years ago and have no memory of the plot. (laughs) Rosalia said, I read it again. Um, And then Nisi went, I meant those involved with the original case that put the mother in jail. A couple read the old files to refresh their memory, but some just seem to have perfect recall. And it's not a very remarkable case that would stick with you after 20 years. Yeah, I, I, this is like a cop thing. Because they were, if you're talking about like that, Chicago cop. Clearly, that's just how they think. Right. But me, I, I don't remember what I did yesterday, guys. Um, I know. The worst. Like, what what did I did? What did I, what literally, what did I do yesterday? I don't yeah. fucking know. Um, Dina said, incredibly sad and heartbreaking to be sure. I only wish Darren had been in observation when Eve put his father into interview. Right. That way he could see firsthand what a shit he was. And how it was his father's fault. His mother did time and then died so violently. Yep. And how his father was serving him up to the wolves just like he did his own mom. Charity was outstanding. What a spine on that woman. I hope we get a chance to see Jamie come into his own as a cop. He fits right in and he's so smart. Maybe we'll see him and Quilla together in the next book too. So funny when Eve was eating a sandwich and tells Peabody to help herself when she was on hollow. And she actually reaches for it. Uh, Eve is so much more perceptive than when it comes to how Rourke is feeling. We, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Making a nice dinner, not pizza, when he was all fed up with the e-work. But Eve hasn't grown at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tina. Thank you. You you, you see us. Yeah. Um, and then the last comment was from Rosalia. Uh, she says, it's a heartbreaking book to read, but an interesting investigation to follow. Eve's sensibility with the McMasters is another example how much she cares about victims and their family. Eve, Eve's ability to get a uh, friend and sex credit on the same day is amusing. <laughs> yeah. It is. And then of course, Charity Momoto is my favorite part of the book. She's an icon, a literal icon. Yep. Icon. So those were great comments. Thanks guys. Yeah. Um, the book I is hard. I mean, I think I enjoyed the book a little bit more this time than the first time. I don't know if it's one that I would find myself reading again if I didn't have to for a podcast. But. Yeah, it's it's not it's not an easy read. Um, I love that we get to have the wedding at the end. Like we get to have those light moments. Um, but it is not an easy read. And honestly, like it's not an easy read in all aspects of it. Right. It's with the murderer like that that someone has has used their child so viciously yeah. to turn them to that. Yeah. And like that, that part where, you know, Eve and McMasters and they're like, how, how is this a comparable punishment for your mother spending 18 months in prison for you to right. rape and murder a 16 year old child, you know, for like what he has done 
to like for like payback and you're like how does it jump so far yeah Oof, it's awful it is awful so but yeah we got through it though we did we got through it and i'm what is is fantasy next uh the lost is next and then after that fantasy yes because fantasy has some real funny shit in yeah fantasy is <laughs> great and i'm looking forward uh, to rereading that one yes uh, looking forward to rereading that one, even though there's a lot of stuff that you're like, how does that work? It's fine. Whatever. Fiction. <laughs> it's fiction. <laughs> um, okay. So should we yeah. do podcast business? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Uh, this time we actually have quite a, quite a bit of podcast business. Awesome. Um, first of all, I want to say that I tried to send this, uh, message to you and Jen prior to this, and I couldn't do it for some reason. But um, Donna had sent an Instagram message about our we review the reviews of promises. Uh huh. And when we were talking about you know Sam Hunter, who said that uh, there was a ghostwriter, she was pissed off that oh, yeah. Nora hasn't yet uh, confessed to the fact that this ghostwriter, and we were talking about her, you know having a master's in fiber arts or whatever. And Jen was saying that she needs to sit on her knitting needles and (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. So Donna says, that's our Jen. Yeah. Donna says just heard Jen's oddly specific comment to Sam Hunter's review, not the author and busted out laughing. This episode is one of the best and most hilarious that I had to pause and send this. You guys are awesome. You're awesome too, Donna. Yeah. And then later on, like maybe a couple minutes later, um, she sent another and said, there's so much more to respond to. I may have to do an email (laughs) and just saying there's no such thing as too much Morris ever. And I think we agree. Correct. We agree. Yes. Um, I love it. But yeah. And then Nisi had to, had to show off her fiber arts uh, in uh, the Facebook group, which was amazing. It looks great. Nisi looks great. Um, we have actually two phone calls. Two people. What? Two people call the number. Yes. Well, one person called the number twice, and we'll go over that. But uh, first one is Dina. Um, and let me see if I can play this, and you can. We'll see if we can hear it. Hey guys, this is Dina from Toronto, and uh, I just wanted to say that I missed you. I have been listening, but I haven't had a chance to write anything or comment on anything. And I'm just sitting here. My husband and I run a very small business, but this is the busiest time of year. So it's getting kind of crazy. Um, I'm just sitting here listening to your latest podcast, uh, the reviews of the reviews. And I'm sitting here laughing out loud. You guys kill me. Oh, my God. You're so funny. Uh, these people that think Nora's a ghostwriter. Yeah. Fuck them all. what the fuck is that Uh, i don't know but i just had to i had to call and let you know that you know i know i'm just one of many that love love your show and love what you do but i just want to let you know that um even though i haven't been commenting on anything i am listening and i am enjoying every bit i'm sure i'll get back to commenting on stuff when things slow down a little bit for me but you guys rock and just keep doing what you're doing. I enjoy you guys so much. Thanks so much and cheers. Oh, oh I Thanks, love Dina. That. 
Thanks, Dina. I hope that your busy season is successful yeah. in your business. Absolutely. And not too stressful that you definitely, you know, still get to have time to laugh. Yeah. Even if you don't, you don't have to comment on our stuff. We know you're there. As long as you get to laugh. Yeah. Um. So wait a minute. Did I? So Dina actually left, left a second message as well. And I'll play that. Hey, AJ, Jen, and Tara. I'm sorry to do this. Um, it's Dina from Toronto calling again, and I totally, totally forgot, and I meant to, I'm so bad on the phone, I, I meant to um, say, Jen, I'm thinking about you, and I hope everything, you, you get the best possible outcome. Um, and I'm, I just wanted to say, <clears throat> I hope uh, I hope you 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 get better really quickly. Okay. So, anyways, have a good night, guys. Bye. So thanks thanks again, Tina. And uh, yeah, thanks, we're Tina. we're all pulling for Jen. She'll yes. she'll come out of it okay. We were just talking to her on our briefing room, and she was saying she's the the outcome the the prognosis is good. And then um, oh, it's Deb Marie. Deb Marie left uh, left a message. Oh, so yes. Let's play hers. Hi, AJ, Jen, Tara, and Tara's not extra. She's a bonus. We love Tara. Um, <laughs> Thank this you, is Deb Marie. I've called you guys before. Um, I just listened to your review of Promises and Death, and I got to be honest, I almost turned it off because y'all started talking about car accidents at the very beginning, and I just got home from hanging out with my kid for 12 days in the hospital after she and her fiancé were hit by another vehicle, and she ended up losing part of her intestine, and he's got a broken ankle. Um, so it, this was a rough one for me. Um, but I kept going, Sorry. and you guys are amazing. Um, and just needed to hang out with you guys tonight rather than, you know, sitting at the hospital and watching uh, blood pressure machines and IVs and catheters and NG tubes and all kinds of fun stuff that we went through in the past 12 days. So anyway, I just want to say I appreciate you all and thank you. Have a great night. Bye. Well, Demery, we hope your your daughter's okay. And sorry yeah, you had to go through they're, that. They're healing. Yeah. Well, that's that's rough, man. But, you know, I'm glad that we could kind of, like, provide for you some kind of outlet that is positive and Yeah. You know, because I know, yeah, it is, it is, it is hard and, you know, it's, it's really important to get away from that periodically. Yes. Do things to recharge. So. You have to recharge for yourself. Yeah. So, but we so can take hope for them. the best outcome for your daughter. Yeah, I hope I hope she's healing well. Yeah. And I think that's it for podcast business. I don't know that we have anything more. But um just to say that uh next week, I don't know what we're gonna do next week. We'll figure it I out. I don't know guess. what we're gonna do next week. But um <laughs> it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. And we do have review the reviews of this book uh coming up and those should be real fun. 
Oh, yes. And then, uh, like we've said before, later on in this month, we have uh, guests coming on. Uh, Spencer, intentionally bookish, I think. And um, we're going to talk about Rourke. So yes. um, all of that is coming up. And I still have to, you know, I have still have to talk to Susan Eric, so I'm going to have to send her a message and see if she wants to do our third anniversary again. You know, I'm kind of like weird about it because it's like we've already had her on twice, and you know, is she sick of us or is she, you know, or is she, <laughs> is she like us? wanting to be on again? You know, I don't know. Right. We'll see. But uh, everybody on the Facebook page was like, "No, you have to ask her again because you really, we really need to ask her whether or not she eats while she's doing those, uh, while she's doing those like the Eve brownie in- thing." I bet she doesn't. I bet she's so skilled that she doesn't that's my yeah take. you know i mean maybe but they really need that but, question answered so maybe we'll say like just come on for a few minutes with us and we'll get some questions from the if you have other questions for her put her send us a message or put it on the facebook yeah. and so we have a list of questions that we can ask her real quick and maybe have her on for maybe part of the show. I don't know. I mean, one yeah. thing that we had talked about was maybe having her read some of the fanfic, but I, but I really think that that's, there's a legal issue there that we don't want to get into. Um, yeah, it's probably not for the Yeah, best. I did. I did a little bit of research on that and it does seem like if you, if you, you know, as the performer for those audiobooks, the actual performance itself and how she does it for audible is, is copyrighted. So you don't want to yeah. like do a performance of a of something else that's clearly you know uh, with those characters and those voices yeah. and you know it's hard to like trademark and stuff. So we don't want to do anything that's that's going to be possibly illegal for us and for her. So, but um, if you want to ask her questions, if you have questions that we haven't already asked her, put them in the uh, Facebook group or send us a message or or call us on the phone. And um, and we'll ask her this if she comes on. Now I don't know if she can. I, I haven't I haven't messaged her yet, so I really need to get on that. But I'll do that and I'll see. Well, we'll let you guys know, you know, in an upcoming episode whether she's going to be doing that for us. Um. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so if you need to get a hold of us, you know how to do that on any of our social medias. Just look for podcast and death. Uh, go to our website podcastanddeath.com you can send us an email at show at podcastanddeath.com or you can call the number 205-476-2753 and that spells out 2054-ROARC and uh, that's it for this episode of uh, Podcast and Death so uh, for Podcast and Death this is AJ this is Tara and Jen is somewhere hopefully she's somewhere sleeping and recovering (laughs) But um, anyway, so yeah, thank you for joining us on this episode. So thank you guys. Guys, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to podcast in death. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five star review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcast in Death is hosted by Amy Ryan, Jen Terpstra, and Tara Corkery, and is edited and produced by Amy Ryan. The opinions expressed on this show are for entertainment purposes only 
and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the in-death fandom at large. Podcast In-Death is not in any way affiliated with Nora Roberts, Berkeley, Penguin Publishing Group, or St. Martin's Press. Our theme song is Justice Never Sleeps by Cosmo and is available on Shutterstock.com. This episode and all of our previous episodes are available at podcastindeath.com. Have something to say? You can email us at show at podcastindeath.com or find us on social media by searching for Podcast and Death on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, you can call us and leave a message at 205-476-2753. That spells out 205-4-ROARCH. Thanks again for listening. And in the immortal words of Brian Kelly, fucking slouch at you. Yeah.